Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor with a group practice here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I specialize in women as well as maternal mental health. Here on the podcast, we'll talk about womanhood, motherhood, and a little bit of everything in between. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. And don't they let me when I for another episode of the Fish Through Podcast, and I am so excited to be joined by a former co-worker of mine, Stephanie. Stephanie and I met at a psychiatric hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. She was a charge nurse at the time, the best charge nurse that we had. (laughs) (laughs) She had like impeccable work ethic and was just super cool. And since then, we've um, kept in touch via Instagram. And <laughs> recently, I reached out to her. But before we get into our conversation, welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you very much for having me. It's exciting to reconnect again. <laughs> oh, um, so I know that I talked a little bit about the fact that um, you have a background in nursing. Um, but for those mm-hmm. who don't know about you, tell us a little bit more about your background in the medical field and, and what got you into nursing. Okay. Um, so I got into nursing because uh, my dad's also in healthcare. He's a physical therapist. Um, I have a grandma who is, was a nurse and also an aunt who was a nurse. And I think that kind of shaped my future into wanting to become a nurse as well. Um, I've been a nurse for 13 years now. Um, I started, like you said, in mental health, and then I transitioned to women's health. And now I'm working in orthopedics, (laughs) just a very strange term. (laughs) Okay, so family was super involved in the medical field. How have you enjoyed it so far? I love nursing. I feel like it's definitely one of the best careers there is. I feel like you will always have a job. I feel like it's hard not to be happy in your job because there's so many different facets of nursing that you can go into, so many different units or perspectives that I feel like you can always find a niche that calls to you. Yeah, that is true. That's true. Um, so something that I've always thought was very interesting, especially in listening to the recent news about the overturn of Roe versus Wade, is that you also have worked at two abortion clinics, right? Yes. So um, when I was a mental health nurse in Georgia, I also worked part-time at an abortion clinic in Georgia for three years. And then um, my now husband had moved to Dallas, Texas for a job and I ended up following him, another perk of nursing, you can find a job anywhere. (laughs) Um, And I continued my work in abortion care there. I worked at an abortion clinic for seven years in Texas. Wow, what was that experience like? Um, I have to say it was amazing. Um, I felt like it was not only nice to work around like-minded people, um, but also just to see and help all of the patients on a daily basis. I 
started as a staff nurse there. I became a charge nurse. And then eventually when I left, I was the director of nursing at the clinic I worked at. And I worked in every facet of that clinic. I worked anywhere from the, in the procedure rooms to when the first patient, the patients first come in and meet the doctors, getting their ultrasounds, doing their lab work, taking care of them after in the recovery room. I, I saw every aspect of working in the clinic. <laughs> now, me being very ignorant, well, first off, I am pro-choice. I think it's amazing what you were able to do, the contribution that you have had to women um, who made a choice to end a pregnancy for whatever reason that was personal for them. But mm -hmm. as an outsider, I've always thought of the abortion clinic being like this scary place. Like you have to walk through this mob of people with signs and protests and people, you know, throwing slurs at you to just like get in, you know, to safety to then kind of be taken care of. Was it ever scary? What were there protests? What was it like? Especially when you were in Texas, you know, Texas. Yeah, so yeah, so there was definitely protesters on a daily basis. There were our regular protesters we had and then Throughout the year, they'd have special pro-life events that happen that they would bring a lot more people. They would bust them in. They would stand out on the sidewalk. Um, it is private property, so they're not allowed past the sidewalk, the public area. But unfortunately, one of the doors to the clinic was also on the side where the protesters could see the patients and their support person coming in with them. And they would try and yell things. I know as an abortion provider, it was frustrating. Um, they would always be yelling at you to, you, you can have a better job than this. Like, we'll help you find a job. As if you're being forced to be there in some way that it's not your choice to be there also. <laughs> And then, uh, like you said, it is scary and intimidating for patients. We tried to do our best when they would call to make an appointment over the phone and um, just warn them about what it would be like walking into that portion of the clinic. Um, if they could not handle it, then they could always come through our front entrance that was facing the parking lot so they didn't have to go by um, the protesters. And I mean, there were even some incidents where some of the protesters, family members came to our clinic. And so those ones we would have come in through the front so they wouldn't be seen by their family members that were out picketing on the sidewalk. That's, yeah, that's tough. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so going back to the overturn, because um, obviously you being on the front lines, you working with a vast, you know, amount of women for whatever reason why they were coming in, um, mm -hmm. procedures done, what were your initial thoughts? Because I, I know for me personally, when it was first kind of like brought up and it was entertained, I thought maybe naively like, oh, this isn't, you know, going to happen. And with me working in maternal mental health, you know, working with some women who either just didn't want to have the pregnancy or if it was because um, it was medical reasons they would have to term or mm -hmm. they uh, had some sort of genetic disorder and they got the genetic testing done and opted not to have the child or recognized that mentally or financially they could not 
take care of any type of medically disabled child that would be dependent upon them or you know women who may have had a history of postpartum depression severely mm-hmm. did not want to get pregnant again you know various reasons that were personal of their own and then to get the news that it was overturned and then having to work with clients that were just like you know frantic even some who may have had like their children that they were going to have, but may not have had their tubes tied and their husband hadn't had a vasectomy, but were like, I do mm-hmm. not want to be pregnant again, you know? And, and then hearing about the limitations on plan B and worry if mm-hmm. the are going to be taken away. How did you feel? What, what were your thoughts when it happened? Um, first, I think I was just heartbroken. <laughs> for the patients, for the clinic workers, for everyone that works in that realm of reproductive justice in the first place. Um, I mean, like you said, there's so many reasons that people choose to have an abortion. And in my personal opinion, whatever reason they choose is valid. I don't think any reason is more important than another. Um, I think that there's so many questions that we revert to, well, when is the pregnancy a person? But my thought is, well, when do pregnant people stop becoming people? When do we say like, you can no longer have control over your body. You are not X, Y, Z. Um, like informed enough, educated enough, uh, whatever enough to make that decision about your body. And I think that's the heartbreaking part is that now you're telling people that can get pregnant, like, this is not your choice. We're going to make this choice for you. We don't force anyone to donate kidneys. We don't force anyone to give blood. But now we're telling women, no, you must carry this pregnancy to term when there's so many other things like i just i just feel like it's a very pro birth policy and not a pro life policy because once that baby's born what do they do for the woman or the baby nothing like there's no guaranteed parental leave no universal child care there's lack of mental health support like you were talking about lack of wage equality there's no support after the birth. There's two recent bills that were brought up, the Pump Act, um, which failed in the Senate this year, that would have extended breastfeeding protections to at least 9 million working and breastfeeding women. There was also the Formula Act, which also didn't pass, that would have waived tariffs, regulations, and quotas on imported formula. Um, That would have helped the rules around the WIC program, which is for low-income women and children. Currently, those families can only get one type of formula from a single manufacturer that their state contracts with. And like everyone knows, we're also in a formula shortage. So two of these bills that would have helped with that were also denied this same year as the overturning of Roe. So I think it's just heartbreaking and people don't think about the people that this affects the most, which it falls disproportionately on those struggling financially, black, indigenous, people of color, undocumented people, young people, LGBTQ people. Um, It's hard because 
those people already don't have equal access to healthcare from abortion to prenatal care to preventative care. They're often ignored or not taken seriously by medical professionals. They have worse outcomes um, from even COVID related health issues, higher rates of maternal and infant death and are more likely to be investigated, prosecuted or punished for their pregnancy outcomes. Some people have resources to overcome those obstacles but people with low incomes, young people and undocumented people are more likely to be forced to continue pregnancies, even if it's not what they want. Which I think is just overall heartbreaking in itself. Yeah. Like it's, it's and in both of us in, in some ways have like caretaking careers, you know, like we right. are passionate about seeing folks get to the best potential mental health, physical health that they can be. Mm -hmm. And I know that for me, it has, I don't know, I felt like kind of speechless in a way of like, I, I don't, I don't even know how to tell you to cope because I'm trying to cope, you know, I'm like, <laughs> right. <laughs> and I have two boys, but you have a daughter. Um, right. As a parent, like how has that impacted you or how have you thought about her? Uh, that's a hard question to answer it, like brings tears to my eyes thinking about it because this is something that I've fought for personally in my own life and now to have a daughter when this is happening too it's just like like you said it's like you're in shock you get angry you get upset like and then you have to just remember like okay well let that be your motivation what what can I do to hopefully get things better for her? Like, um, I, th I think I just try and think of her as my motivation because I, I don't want this to be the world she lives in. Unfortunately, it is currently. Luckily, she's only one <laughs> right now. But what? how can I engage or what can I do to make things different so this isn't her reality when she is of a reproductive age? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that you listed all of um, the residual impacts of what this overturn um, will bring and how it will affect so many people um, moving forward. And also mm -hmm. about workers who worked in like an abortion clinic, I see them as advocates because like you're right like no one made you work there you could have taken a job anywhere else where you didn't have to walk through you know a mob mm -hmm. you didn't have to be harassed but you chose yeah. to work there and it, it takes a special person to do that type of work knowing you know the kind of like the work occupational hazards you know that are associated right. um where do you think like they will go, you know, like even like with Georgia right now, there's like a block and in us having it like go through with our abortion plan that Kemp had initiated, but with Texas, like it's in effect. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think? Do you think that mothers would just like travel? Do you think like the workers will find somewhere else to work? Like, where do you, and you may not have an answer to this, but where do you foresee them to go from here? I mean, 
It's a good question. I <laughs> I think there's many different ways that it can go. I think that, um, I mean, like you pointed out, like it is a very chosen work environment. Um, it's not just a normal shift at a hospital. Like you do have so many more occupational hazards that you don't face other places. And I think it takes a special kind of person to work in an environment like that. Like it's because it is a true calling for the people that work there. They know how vital it is for our community, for our country to have those services available to pregnant people. So I think it's going to be a really tough decision for them of what to do. I know personally for me, when I got out of the work, it was because I was going to start a family. I worked at an abortion clinic in Texas, but I had moved back to Georgia a few years prior to me leaving there. And I was traveling back and forth. Every other week I would fly to Dallas. I would stay in Dallas for the week. And then um, that weekend I would fly back home and I would do that every other week. And I knew that when I wanted to start a family, that just wasn't realistic. It's hard to start a family when you're not with your spouse. <laughs> so it's going to be hard for a lot of the people that work at the clinic to be able to travel or to work at a different clinic. I know the specific clinic I worked at in Dallas also has a sister clinic in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So some of the girls that I used to work with have decided to work there and travel in between. Um, some have decided that this is going to be their motivation, that they're going to get into politics, run for office to try and make the changes that they see are so vital on a daily basis. Um, some are going to have no choice but to find another job where they live, whether it be at a hospital or another standalone ambulatory surgery center. I'm not sure. Like, But I know it's going to be hard. I know when I personally left and I came back to working at um, a standard healthcare system, like how it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't pull you in the same way. I think my heart is always going to lie in women's health. And like, like I said, mentioned earlier too, like even just working with such like-minded people moving, even though I worked in Texas before, I worked with everyone that believed in the same thing I did to its core. So when I moved back to Georgia, working in another healthcare facility and just when things would come up and just hearing other people's perspective and giving my own perspective. And it, it was just a very big eye-opening life adjustment that I feel like is going to be very hard for a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it kind of moved me to hear you say that they've decided to like go into politics to create like real change and how mm -hmm. passionate they are about that, being able to provide that, that type of service. And it also, mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever saw this movie, but when this first happened, it made, it just like flashed me back. There's two actually. There's um, four colored girls and 
there's a scene in there. I think she's played by um, Tessa Mae Thompson, where she gets an abortion when it was illegal. And then there mm-hmm. was another movie, Revolutionary Road, with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. And she had had an affair and got pregnant. And she mm-hmm. had an abortion and used a coat hanger and had bled out. And how abortions aren't going to end, but safe and healthy abortions are ending. And where mm-hmm. that, you know, women to be able to have like yeah. option to be able to get adequate medical care and to kind of like envision that, you know, someone who was in a domestic relation, domestic violence relationship and got pregnant mm-hmm. or, right, or incest and the trauma already associated with that. And then to have to jump through hoops or, you know, drive, drive to another, you know, state and, and not have mm-hmm. a with them because they don't want them to be prosecuted and all, all of the, the obstacles just to make that happen. And it's already hard enough to be a woman. And then it, to add this on top of it, it's just horrific. Um, mm-hmm. awful. I did want to ask you this though. So with Black maternal mental health, Georgia is like the top um, with uh, mortality. And, you know, those who are people of color, not feeling hurt when they're talked to, um, to their provider about their symptoms and suffering in silence. And with the overturn, the stats are looking at to increase to like 33% for the mortality rate to grow. Mm -hmm. Do you have any suggestions about how to advocate for yourself medically when you are pregnant? Um, How to select a provider? How to have a safe pregnancy if you have no option but to move forward with it? Yeah, I mean... I know you bring up such good points. I things I was thinking about also when I over or heard that I was getting overturned. Like it, it just makes you think about how many more women are going to die. Like you said, the U.S. already has the highest mortality rate of any developed country, with a rate that's three times higher for Black women than white women. Um, there's already research that suggests that those are who den- are denied abortions are at especially high risk of pregnancy-related health issues, due in part to increased likelihood of delayed um, prenatal care. Um, and I mean, I, I'm currently pregnant myself, and I was recently at a prenatal appointment and as I was leaving, there was a patient coming in who had her Um, about two-year-old daughter with her and she was being turned away from the office because she wasn't allowed to have her child with her (laughs) which she was trying to explain to the other people that work at the clinic like I have to have her with me I am her child care I don't have anyone else to take care of her Um, and it was kind of moving like there was another patient in the office in the lobby that overheard what was going on and so she had told the mom I'll I'll watch her if you want while you go to your appointment like I understand I'm a mom myself like majority of people seeking abortion are already parents they know what it means to have children and they're making these decisions based in a way that is allowing them to continue to care for these children Mm -hmm. um just, I mean, and like you touched on before too, women who seek an abortion are denied are more likely to live uh, below the federal poverty line, more likely to stay with an abusive partner, 
more likely to suffer threatening complications during pregnancy and birth. Um, as far as your question of how to ad advocate for yourself, I feel like that's one of the hardest things you have to do as a woman, especially a woman of color. Um, I know that it's not very well known, but you can always get a doula and that's someone that can be there with you and they know the, the medical field and they know about birth and they are basically there to be your advocate. So, so much goes on when you're giving birth that you're not going to always be able to think straight to get your thoughts together of what you might need in the moment. But um, a doula is an option. I mean, it's someone else that you have to pay. So it's not always in a very available option. Um, but that is one option where that person, they kind of know your birth plan going into things. They know what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. And they can advocate for you in your time of need. Um, as far as other ways to advocate for yourself, I think, I think it's really hard. <laughs> um, I think all you can do is kind of just voice your opinion, stand your ground. Like at the end of the day, it is your body, but also, I mean, history shows us that women of color are treated different in medical facilities. So how to get them to listen to them. I, right. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> I say a lot of times, like getting a provider that you just trust that you feel comfortable. Yes. Don't feel yes. Um, yes. To swap if you're unhappy with the person. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and another thing is you don't have to take someone's first opinion. It's okay to, if something doesn't seem right and you're wondering about it, get a second opinion. Um, that's a major thing too, I think. Like so many people just because they're like, well, they are the professional, let me just go with what they say. If something doesn't speak right to you, then get a second opinion. Right. You, I'm you, um, pregnant with my second, you know, like, I don't know if you're experiencing this now, but how, mm -hmm your body just reacts different with that second one. Like it just kind of oh. right, right into place. And I just felt, sure does. <laughs> I felt like it was super low. Like he was like in my pelvis. And, and I remember, <laughs> I don't know how many weeks I was, maybe like um, 34 weeks. And I was telling my doctor, I was like, I feel like if I just move, an arm will fall out. Like, I just feel like he mm -hmm. is down there and she, and I was I was kind of worried like I was watching to see what she was gonna do because I was really concerned that I was gonna go into labor early and mm -hmm. sometimes you can kind of feel like you're gonna inconvenience someone if they think that this is just a quick checkup I'm just gonna see her and get out but she was like mm -hmm. check it out let's hop up on that table let's look let's check you know let's check it and see what your cervix is doing and that felt so reassuring and safe mm -hmm. you feel heard yeah. Like I yeah. don't have that, but being able to find a provider that can do that for you. Yes, I definitely, I definitely think that's key too. Um, definitely finding someone that you trust, and yeah, 
if for some reason, yeah, you don't feel comfortable with the answer that they give or something doesn't seem right, seeking a second opinion yeah. until you feel like you have enough information to make the decision that's best for you. The last thing that I did want to touch on just a little bit is how you and I are both mothers, but we're also advocates for pro-choice. And sometimes I think that the misconception is um, people are pro-life if they understand like, you know, creating a family, bringing, you know, life into this world, not wanting to mm -hmm. kill a, a fetus or embryo or, or what have you. But you can both both can coexist because it's all mm -hmm. being able to advocate for women's reproductive rights and their choice and how there should be a separation between church and state and mm -hmm. that should be had between a woman and her provider and not based off of other people's you know thoughts or opinions or judgments about it and although even I'm raising boys but me just as a, a woman for myself and empathizing for other women in various situations and their own personal choices that I support any woman wanting to do whatever she wants to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think personally for me, when I became a mom, it only made me more grounded and more firm in my beliefs of being pro-choice because just because I chose to have a child doesn't mean that everyone else must choose to have a child. For the longest time, I didn't want to have children. Um, so, I mean, everyone goes through ebbs and flows of what they feel like life experiences are so different. Um, I know personally for me, I've had a previous abortion. When I was in college, before I started nursing school, I got pregnant with my then boyfriend. I knew I didn't have the education that I wanted to have, the career that I wanted to have, the means to pay for a child when I was in college and still working on myself. And I think that being able to access that abortion changed the trajectory of my life. It put me in a financial place where I got the career that I was going for, that I was able to provide a life for a child and have the means to do so. Whereas if I wouldn't have had access to that abortion at that time, I wouldn't be able to do. So I think that it just makes me want to advocate harder now that I am a mom, especially a mom to a daughter, um, to do what I can to um, share my perspective, to advocate, to to vote, to <laughs> to belong to different um, reproductive justice. Um, causes as well. Like I belong to the ACLU. Um, I know that on Amazon, they have Amazon Smile where you can choose an organization to donate to just through a portion of your Amazon purchases. And mine goes to um, the network of abortion funds. So, I mean, there's always little things that you can do 
Um, they don't have to be huge. They don't have to be out there, but you can always find even people in your local community. Like there's the sister song, which is the women of color reproductive justice collective that's here out of Atlanta. You can even go as far as to just become a member, follow them on social media, um, posting on social media yourself about, um, different things, your, your opinion or your perspective on abortion care, um, on the injustices in the maternal field itself. Um, you can always donate to these different organizations as well. Um, and then you always have your voice of voting too. Make sure that you look up what the candidates believe on the issues that are most core to you and vote accordingly and hold them accountable. Call when um, certain bills or laws are coming up that are going to the legislative yeah. session that you can just make your voice heard. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Stephanie. This was <laughs> You're welcome. Lightning, empowering <laughs> conversation. I just I appreciate all of your insight. Um, all of which you shared professionally, personally. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having done the work that, that you have done. You are such appreciated and such a huge advocate. Um, thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. We make it for we see it. You take it. Sky high.